Oh, hi. I've got one of my guests with me so far. Greetings. Greetings. Hello, Alicia Brache from the lovely Cosmic <laughs> Gateway. That rhymes. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to be here. We're just waiting for another delightful soul sister, Anna, to try and join us. We're trying to be a bit tricky and uh, out there with our tech skills today, aren't we? So <laughs> We're doing three-way. We're doing, we are. Look out. Things are taking... <laughs> Taking a raunchy turn, we're doing a three-way indeed. Hopefully <laughs> she can jump on in. But uh, how are you? Some really weird tech glitches going on, not just on trying to record this, but I don't know if you've experienced, I've just had some really bizarre, um, more so than usual, tech glitches happening. Yeah, um, I'm staying at a family friend's at the moment and, it's really weird. We're connected to the Wi-Fi and the internet and yet Stan and Netflix is not connected. It's like, well, hang on, how can the other sources be working properly but we can't, keeps doing all these weird errors. Yay, I believe my <laughs> other guest has just joined. Hey, Welcome, ladies. Anna. How are you? This is good. <clears throat> so we just said, it was Alicia so eloquently said, we're doing a three-way today. <laughs> yeah. And we were just talking about tech glitches and how, <laughs> how things have been a bit out of control. But we are going back into Mercury retro. I was going to say, Mercury is going to go into retrograde soon. And that's my planet. So, <laughs> your planet, you're responsible. <laughs> so, we should blame you. <laughs> yeah, just, just yeah. until it's finished. And all Gemini's herein. No. <laughs> That is true. That's right. I've just ostracized uh, a, twel- a, a twelfth of my audience. Apologies. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're not going to talk about tech glitches, or whether we might. We're going to talk about experiences that are otherworldly or alternative, mm. or more often referred to, which isn't my favorite term for it, as paranormal. Mm-hmm. So I guess, as always, keep an open mind. And the mantra, I guess, for this episode would be until it happens to you. Um, you know, I've said it many times and never thought I'd be in a situation discussing the things that I used to so strongly disbelieve, I guess, but here I am. <laughs> so I guess I think it's pretty safe, guys, to say that we as humans have a bit of a fascination with the unknown or supernatural from shows like Alien, the X-Files series, Supernatural Charmed. There's, we love to conspire about UFOs and whether the pyramids were put there or not. You know, is it real? Is it fake? Um even up to things like angels appearing and weird phenomena um, happening around death. So we're going to kind of just dive in. And uh, I thought maybe I'll kick off with my very first experience and then we can go from there. What do we think? Sounds good. Perfect. All right. So, all right, buckle in, everyone. Who knows where we're going to (laughs) go. So... In about 2015, I was staying at a friend's house, so I wasn't in my normal environment or my normal bedroom. And I remember waking up. I was really, really far away in space and I immediately was looking around and I was terrified. I knew I was very, 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 very far from anywhere and I started to immediately panic. Now, some of you may have experienced when you're having a nightmare, you're trying to scream, but it's coming out like like a very muted muffled kind Mm. of sound yeah so I was like really far up in space and in my head I was like angels someone someone good put me back in my body I didn't have a lot of knowledge back then I I guess and I was like put me back in my body put me back in my body and slowly I felt um being anchored back in and coming back 
down into my body, but it felt like a roller coaster where you go, you know, when you go down the hill, like it was really fast velocity that I came back into my body with such speed that I gasped when I woke up and um, I was out of breath and I was in the sweat and I was panicked for days afterwards. And I guess it wasn't until a lot later that I realized that was a pretty cool experience. (laughs) And I wish I could go back to that experience and that it was actually a lot of galactic beings trying to sort of, um, I guess, look over me or sort of, yeah. And I, I panic so much that I think they, they know I'm so afraid and I think fear is going to be a big part of our topic today, but I think they were like, well, we're not going to try that again because she, um, (laughs) she freaked out so much. So I guess where do we go from there? So maybe I might throw over to Alicia. So why do you think, like, why do they, why did they choose that experience? Do you think for me, if they know, do you think they know that it's going to freak us out? It's a really good question. And I think quite often, you know, one of my, what I truly believe, one of my theories is I think that we're having these um, multidimensional experiences all the time. It's just that sometimes it takes a while for the human to catch up. And um, I think in instances like you just um, spoke about, potentially that's something that's happening to you often, but it is just that you came to conscious awareness in that moment, which was quite right. startling. And so sometimes I think maybe that's like a little bit of an accident. I know I've had many experiences where I've been kind of lifted up out of my bed um, during the, the night being beamed up onto a ship. Um, and I, I've truly believed that I probably wasn't meant to recall that. I wasn't meant to wake up. Um, yeah. And, and, of course, it stills a lot of fear um, because that's just so far from the realm of our 3D existence or what we've led to believe is possible. Um, I guess there's many ways that you can look at it, but maybe you, you know, from a soul level, you wanted to start to remember at that point. So that was like a catalyst. And I think the first experience is always the most terrifying um, yeah. until we can process and digest it and then think, oh, I wish I had interacted differently, as you were saying. Yeah, exactly. What about you, Anna? What about any, how are you kind of thrust into (laughs) these experiences? Well, I think I'm pretty lucky um, having friends like you and Alicia to talk to about these things because um, my first experience wasn't very scary. It was more like a dream and they beamed me up and had me reading books. But the second time was, Alicia was actually there in my dream and I was underneath a spacecraft and Alicia just looked at me and she said, it's okay, just mind your head on the way up. I consider it. Yes. <laughs> but I was going up and it was really, really bright and um, once I got up there, it was a little bit like lying down on a bed and then lights out. Um, but I guess out of that experience for me was um, when I woke up the next day and my goodness, my nose was just running, 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 running. And, um, mm. you know, again, lucky to have Alicia to talk to about those things because she's, you know, explained that maybe they just drained my pineal gland. Um, but then the third one, the third experience that I had was probably I felt more empowered. Like I kind of knew I went to bed. I didn't want to close my eyes because I knew they were coming. Okay. Um, and I actually felt like I was more in control um, whether I wanted to take someone and I said, no, he's not ready. So that for me was a little bit of a different experience. I don't know if you're meant to interfere. I mean, look, 
they're, they're much more powerful. If they wanted to do it, they would have just done it, right? But um, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I think they can just tell you how it's going to go. So, yeah. Yeah, I have to, I'll go back to Alicia's comment about remembering. And that was just all before I sort of um, had some other catalysts from divine counterpart relationship. And then I went to Sedona. So that was very early stages. And you're right, it did kind of, once the panic had subsided and the fear had kind of, you know, dissipated, I was able to, hmm, I'm just going to have a little Google. I'm just going to go down that rabbit hole a little bit, mm. slowly, slowly at the start. At first I thought I was just having like one of those dreams, like a night terror, I suppose, where you feel like you're falling. But I was very aware that this was a completely different nature. Um, <laughs> and I had had out-of-body experiences before, um, but that was just in my room. So that was kind of safe and contained. And I think you yeah. can kind of, I think the brain always wants to to put reason and logic behind everything. And so to me, I was kind of like, oh, that's not that far from the realms of paranormal activity. Like I can cope with that. But this time I was like, I couldn't even see a planet or any identifiable, oh, look, there's Earth. Like it was just so scary and so far removed. And I have had other people tell me like a similar experience where they're in the bottom of the ocean. So, mm. but very far from... And so, Alicia, I guess you're probably going to have some great things. So I know you've probably had a lot of experiences <laughs> and so many to choose from. So yeah. Do you, yeah, tell us some of the most profound ones or ones that stick out for you and maybe why and what happened post them, I guess, or what the, the relevance in your ascension path of it was maybe now in reflection. Yeah, I guess as you're talking about that, because I don't, you know, what the, the experience that you described, I can't, I was thinking to myself, I, I don't recall having an experience like that, but that's actually incorrect. As I'm trying to go back as, recall as far back as what I can remember. And to be honest, um, as a child, quite a young child, I would say somewhere between maybe the ages of three and five, roughly, that would kind of be a nightly occurrence for me. I remember having a lot of experiences that I couldn't explain that I didn't speak about, but I would be laying in bed and I had this feeling that I was being watched. And I know a lot of people can relate to this. I just had this overwhelming feeling that there was, I was being watched, I was being monitored and that at night I was taken out of my window <laughs> and taken somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I would, a lot of, um, you know, a, a lot of kind of, um, out-of-body experiences, so I would feel myself going in and out of body. It was only till much, much later that I started sharing that with people. Like, yeah, I had that as a child too. Of, of just trying to describe it was like being laying in bed uh, and watching the room start to start to go really, really big and then really, really small, and then hearing this vibrational sound like woo, 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 <laughs> um, and just feeling like everything was spinning. <clears throat> And I would then, next thing I know, I would be looking back down at Earth um, from out in space. Um, and, and that happened countless times as a child. Um, and, and then, you know, and then there's this blank period, you know, where I would have a lot of um, more sort of angelic or spirit interactions but not so much galactic and then it all picked up and resumed again and for me it was in 2015 um, where once again it was um, more of the sightings at the time I wasn't 
so aware of what was happening right at the time. It's always in hindsight you look back and you go, oh. Yeah, okay. definitely with that time and <laughs> and then it makes, it's kind of like that puzzle piece, isn't it? It kind of makes a bit more sense with much more yeah. time time in there. Um, but I think from my experiences into adulthood, I went through a period of knowing that something could happen to me in the evening because I would wake up and I would have lost, you know, anywhere up to 12 hours of time. Um, I would be the middle of the day and just randomly I'd feel really tired and need to go to bed and then I would wake up at 6 o'clock the next morning completely disoriented and thinking, you know, something something's going on. That I, and, and around that time I was having a lot of marks and scars on my body that I couldn't explain. Wow. Mm. So um, I was aware that something was going on but I couldn't put the pieces together and then when it finally started coming together, um, it, it just opened up a whole new world of, of <laughs> experiences and, and it was really quite amazing because at that time people were starting to contact me so what I'm getting at is I didn't have any memory of being on a ship. I did. I was just I was losing a lot of time and aware that something was happening that was much greater than than myself. Um, and it wasn't until the pieces of the puzzle started coming together that a lot of people contacted me, people I hadn't seen or spoken to in years, saying I had a really strange dream last night. You and I were on a spacecraft together. And then it was like, oh, okay. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and, and when that happens more than once, you, you start to pay attention, right? You realize, okay, it's not just me and my wild imagination. There is something much bigger going on here. Yeah. And I think what happens initially is a lot of people start to interact or have dr- vivid dreams, but I think they're actually real experiences. And then, then on the flip side of that, like for myself, I was aware that something was going on, but I was um, what I call blank slated. So my memory was completely wiped. Um, and and it wasn't until I started piecing things together myself that I was like, okay, this is what's going on. And after that, then I would start to have memories come back. Yeah, I think I just want to touch, you just said dreams. Now, Anna and I were talking about this before because we were like, I think for a lot of people listening, and again, the reason why we're doing this is to to sort of normalise it in a sense. You know, I think, again, mm-hmm. once you're around that campfire and you start talking about it, someone's nearly everyone's got an experience whether they are you know it's coming out more and more so with the dreams I guess how can I have such vivid dreams and now I know when I am visiting my home planet or going on a ship or having an interaction how can people who are maybe new to this like what information or advice do you think either of you can give like how do you discern do you think it's more about whether you're feeling safe I mean how can and how can you discern if it's it's just a dream or it's actually something really prophetic that's happening to you because I think it's really confusing for a lot of people to navigate. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Anna, did you have anything that you want to say before I jump in? Yeah. Um, for me, it's almost like, I don't know, I guess if, if I say I just feel it that, I'm, that I know it's not just a dream, for some people out there that are listening, they might be like, oh, but how can you tell? But seriously, for me, I can just feel that it wasn't just a dream. Um, there's that sense of knowing about it. Um, even I've had, I've woken up from dreams where I'm like, oh, I know I did something, um, but I can't remember it. Um, I don't know, for me, it'll just have to be that um, 
that sense of knowing. Like you don't even doubt it really anymore at the start. You know, had you asked me this four months ago, I would have been like, you're nuts. Like what are you talking about? They're just dreams. But I guess you do get to a point where you're like, you just know. Okay. That you think less. Yeah, I think um, your own internal gut instinct, for lack of a better word, is the best way to discern and decipher. Um, for me, I've always been a really avid dreamer all my my life. Um, but there was a, a point, maybe it was just my own awareness and my own consciousness, but there was a point where I was like, these aren't dreams anymore. These are very real experiences. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it comes from an internal knowing. Um, and I've sort of got to the point where I break down the different types of dreams and try and teach a lot of my students um, what to look for in, in the different types of dreams that we have so that people can better understand that there are different experiences that we have in dream state and not some of them are experiences some are just processing some are recalling past life memory you know there's all different types um but it's it's, it's really about trusting your own instinct and feeling <clears throat> to to what it was and and i think just listening to a conversation like this and knowing that other people are having it so you feel like you were saying jen to normalize it to make people feel less crazy um I think probably in the last three years alone, maybe even longer, but contact is happening more and more yeah. to people in their dream state, um, more so than we've ever, ever known on this planet. And I think one of the ways that, um, you know, galactic beings try to connect, because let, let's put this in context, right, a lot of us are connected to those um those different races or those beings, you know, that is part of our galactic heritage or we're from that same star family. We've come to Earth to have a temporary experience through the ascension process to help and assist. Um, but when we come here, we forget all that. And so we have to remember that we're, you know, they're as much of our family as our blood family or our soul family down here on Earth. Um, and so I'm sure that there has been a... Um, uh, you know, a plan put in place of how they would, you know, gently come and wake us up and approach us and contact us and make us remember that we are, you know, part of that wider galactic um, community. Um, but they've got to come in into it in non-threatening ways. And I think through dream space is the most um, um, friendly way, <laughs> if you like, yeah, that they can come and... Um, you know, have a, have a couple of dreams where, oh, I, I was dreaming about ETs or that, and then those um, experiences can trans, uh, you know, transform from dream state into, you know, what I call conscious contact. Yeah, and I think, I mean, something that just triggered me then too is it's like they're such curious beings and, and I guess if anyone's listening <laughs> to this, I would invite you to be curious. Like if you can get mm. past the fear, it's like an invitation to yeah. be just as curious um, and inquisitive mm. as they are about us, as we are to them, I suppose. But mm. I think maybe it's it's helpful to also reference things. So I'll talk about current time. So I obviously told you my first experience was terrifying and I was panicked and I was dripped in sweat and that was not fun. And they probably went, okay, let's reassess. So, yes, I have a lot of dreams, but I often have noticed that before I have a dream, um, that is going to entail contact. Um, I see bright flashing lights just before I drift off to sleep, <laughs> like a real blinding light, and then boom, I'm out to sleep. Now, I don't know whether, Anna, you have like a little, if there's like a little scenario or a ritual, a bit of a heads up from your team 
that that's going to happen. But Alicia, I know you've got some thoughts on the blinding light before we <laughs> before we go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just trying to put some very real, like these are the signs and, and experiences that, you know, that I'm having. And so if other people are having them, I guess, you know, that's one of them, the blinding lights. <laughs> Actually, I had that last night. I was like, oh, oh. can you just <laughs> leave it alone? <laughs> So um, they definitely are trying to, I think, and it doesn't have to be just be galactic beings. So I suppose there are other, you know, angelic, fairies, there's so many different mm-hmm. things. So just because a lot of us on this call are very galactic focused, it's not just limited mm-hmm. to that. But do you want to explain maybe like some of the things, like the bright lights and what you think perhaps that means? Mm-hmm. Um, look, there's a couple of theories that I've thrown around that that's the um, – initial stage of when I know something's about to happen overnight as I'm going to bed and it's pitch black and then all of a sudden there's that bright flashing lights um, and it's like someone's shining a torch in your face. Um, so I always um, I interpret that or I understand that as the, the energy presence of those beings coming in into my mm-hmm. to room to either take me somewhere to, to, to check up on me, you know, whatever it is, um, but I guess, you know, I've spoken to a soul brother and I'm going to completely hash this up, but I've spoken to him because I know he gets it and we've talked about it at great lengths over the years. Um, and he said, you know, there is some sort of um, biological reason why that can happen and it can be to do with the pineal gland activating, which creates um, like a, a projection of light th- um, coming through the eyes. So I guess there's, there's always multiple ways of looking at it um i see it as sensing or seeing the energetic imprint of beings coming into my um, proximity um, before something like that happens but i think the other thing is like just a sense of a knowing um yeah i always sort of get that knowing as as nights falling I'm like oh tonight's the night <laughs> um yeah, I don't know if I answered that yeah, fully. Yeah, I was going to but... throw over to Anna because you said, Anna, like, you know, a couple of months ago you would have been like, oh, they're just dreams. So talk me through the process. What, how did, was it, so it was just an intuition of just, were you documenting your dreams? Like, do you journal them? I know a lot of people record their encounters or their dreams to try and make sense of it. So how was that transition? Like, can you talk us through that? Like, just from, oh, it's just a dream to, oh, okay. Like, and and what part of the dream were you making? Like, what was the content of it, I suppose, if you want to share some of it to make you believe that it was more than just a dream? Well, 2017, um, I'll bring it back to that time because that was when I started feeling like someone was always following me. Um, I'd be out on my walks, feel like someone, I'd just be constantly turning around. It wasn't only really until the last couple of months that I thought, oh, that's what it was because now when I feel... I haven't seen any bright lights myself. Um, it's more like I can feel them. And mm. even when I go to bed in my room at night, I know and it's, it's a feeling that they're coming. Um, and But prior to that, I've had dreams where they're just always making me read things, like read books. Sometimes it's in books or sometimes it's like um, symbols on a metal um, sheet. Um, and it wasn't really until then. I, so I guess my experience wasn't so... Um, shocking and scary because it was a very gentle introduction to them um you know Mm. there's nothing threatening about being made to read a book um but 
for me, it's more like that. That I just know when I go to bed at night. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. Well, I'm going to throw back to Alicia because whenever I start talking about this with someone perhaps who aren't either of you two, <laughs> um, a lot of the time there's just so much fear around abduction. There's a lot of like negative uh, energy surrounding the words around, you know, the word alien, like in the movies, and they're kind of presented like us versus them. And mm-hmm. so, where did so where did this like the abduction fear come from? And a lot of people might not know um, a lot of the background on it, but I think a lot of mm. people are so terrified of it rather than maybe mm. going like, this is a really cool experience that might enhance my ascension path. I think because of that, that pre-context of this, this fear of abduction and anal probes and being poked and prodded, that there's a lot of misconceptions out there. So how did, how did we as humans construct that narrative and how do you think we can kind of shift people away from it? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, I've always been sort of under the impression that there was a lot of, can I use the word collusion, that comes to mind between a lot of high-ranking governments um, and off-planet races for control and domination and exchanging of technologies um, that they would kind of in exchange allow interference with you know healthy specimens for hybridization programs and I think that that did run for a couple of decades uh, I've read and witnessed and spoken to many um, contactees or abductees who've had quite horrific uh, experiences where I think you know there um, that kind of creates a, a, quite a negative spin from their experiences but something that I've always thought is is it our own perception because I always believe that um, you know nothing can really be interfered with if it's not part of our path and I've always sort of questioned in my own mind obviously not in conversation but I was like I wonder whether they're still part of that soul group and they have agreed to that they've just it's part of their they've forgotten that you know um, but I think that they're it's just a really big part of the control narrative that if you keep people in fear of something that potentially could be really helpful for their own growth and evolution, then they're going to shy away from it. Um, and so I always say with with the, the, the galactics especially because there is there's such a fear narrative and I think it's because of all the movies um, that are out there that, that don't necessarily portray them in the most positive sense. Um and I, I know I've had this conversation so many, many times with people and I've always said to them, do you believe in angels yet? Do you believe in spirit guides yet? So, you know, uh, you know, ET beings are just the same. They just look a little bit different. <laughs> um, but they have the same intentions to wanting to help assist, to guide, to mentor, um, to protect um, then, then you would. It's just the association that people have in their perception and their minds because of, you know, Hollywood movies and different narratives yeah. that have tried to to keep the fear narrative promote a fear. And, yeah, to keep it just like anything else, really. So, would you say then, Leash, that um, you know the galactic beings couldn't do anything to you unless you've you've agreed to it on a soul Ooh, level? At some good point. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I always go back to um, 
looking at this. So as we go through our own evolution of consciousness and ways of perceiving things, I think that we can have a very um, fear-based sort of 3D way of perceiving, oh, my God, something so foreign, different, fear, 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 unknown, then, you know, as people start to have these experiences, if they're running a very strong fear program, it can look as though it's against their will. Um, It's not, um, it's not in in service of them, whatever it may look like. But if you go up and you look at it from higher perspective, there's always going to be a reason and a purpose. And I've had interactions on both sides, what I would consider negative and positive. Um, and believe me, that the negative experiences that I've had um, have absolutely shattered my world. Um, but then in reflection, I was like, well, I learned something from that. You know, I, I gained something from that experience that I wouldn't necessarily consider positive, um, but it, it helped me grow in my own sovereignty through that experience. Mm. I because I was just about to say something that might help people listening is, yeah, like how how do you discern, like, if, if this is uh, an encounter that has a positive intent or whether it has a negative intent because we have to address there's balance in the world, I suppose, and there's just as dark and light and all those duality, I suppose, if we want to go down that path. I suppose I've had a few instances where I'm not entirely sure if that was for my highest good and it still happened mm. anyway and I just kind of woke up and just wrote it down anyway. And if I'm being completely Mm. honest, I still don't kind of understand what that was, but maybe it was just a marker for me to identify when I am visited to know, oh, you're not the beings I'm familiar with and Mm. maybe not buy into whatever is happening in in the dream space, I suppose. Mm. Mm. I think it comes back to trusting what your internal body, how it's... um, reacting and responding to it um you know just like interacting with humans and other people you know we you can have um you can feel really good about some interactions and feel really off about some and not even know why but I think the the challenge in that is the um working through our own initial fears so it's um being able to discern what's catching us off guard and, and, and making us fearful just because of the unknown, what's behind that, what do we feel from the interactions that we're having or the experiences that we're having. Hmm. I was uh, in a pretty heated conversation a little while ago about the contra- uh, sorry, the cultural impact of extraterrestrial contact, as we were calling it, and someone, <laughs> yes, someone was very adamantly uh, arguing the case that you know like what do they want with us and why are they watching us and why the crop circles and I thought well hang on aren't we trying to go to Mars like (laughs) aren't aren't we like isn't it you know we're going to say it's human nature to explore and to do this I was like but they're just if that's the argument I was trying to be like but that's it can't you see that's exactly the same thing like it's a curiosity to push that boundary to be on the cutting edge of like all this new earth energy and it's I don't know why we have this us versus them thing but we are slowly breaking away from that and I think that's why the contact is so personal because it is so individualized to each person's you know ascension Mm. their journey their mission and their path but yeah I just found that interesting everyone wants to talk about 
gosh, you know, we have to be prepared. And we automatically assume like a war front position rather than a peaceful position. Mm. And I Mm. think that's why Mm. contact isn't happening maybe as much as it should be because because of us, in a sense, as a collective. I know it's breaking down Mm. now, but if any of you have any thoughts on that, just let rip. (laughs) I know a few of my friends. Sorry, Lee. You go, Anna. Yeah. No, you go, Um, Anna. I'm getting more and more you know, conversations with friends um, who are having dreams and or are expecting or are waiting for it now. Um, I feel like more and more, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just because I've become more open to it. So now I'm attracting people that are talking about it or waiting for it or they feel like it's coming. Um, but or maybe social media as well, you know, people are becoming a lot more outspoken that they are, they are having contact and they, ha- they are having those experiences. So, for me, from my end, it seems to be the norm now, whereas before it wasn't. Yep. We all there? That, yes. that, tech, that Mercury yeah. retrograde kicking in, about <laughs> to kick in. Well, I was just going to change a little bit of the conversation to looking at the sky and to our um, UFOs or galactic aircraft or, or other things because – I've been paying a lot of attention to the sky. I always have. I think that's, you know, a good indication of a star kind of being. I love looking at the sky. And I think the more you spend looking at the sky, the more you will see interesting activity happen. And, yes, I follow, like, NASA and, yes, I know, like, the space weather so I know when there's, like, a like an asteroid sort of shower or a meteor shower or something. Did I say asteroid shower? Would that kill the Earth? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I was like, hang on, hold up, Jen. I think you mean meteor shower. <laughs> Rain it in. But I, I don't know. Um, I guess you both live down in Melbourne in Victoria and there's a few hot spots down there for a lot of UFO activity. I have definitely seen some interesting things in the sky uh, that aren't, and I've seen a lot of like the, the normal sort of let's call it scientific things like, you know, but I've seen like a lot of orange flushes in the sky, like very quick aircraft kind of looking. I've just seen some odd things lately. So why do you think there's such a fascination with like trying to prove or disprove UFOs and and what do you why do you think it's there's so, so much secrecy around it and this elusive thing like, oh they're there, then they disappear. Like a lot of my friends ask me, well why why wouldn't they just come here properly and land properly? So I just thought we could just discuss a little bit about maybe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, my personal opinion, I think when I started having much more conscious contact, which started after um, I had like a very abrupt uh, awakening, <clears throat> I know that my heart chakra was um, switched onto its full potential at that time. And that was when I started having conscious contact with really positive um, galactic beings. And my formula has always been you've got to be in, you know, in a frequency. They're always there. They're just in a different frequency. So I know that when I can be in a really kind of high elevated state, I can look up in the sky and I can see thousands of ships, whether it be day or night, but I can see them just sort of in and out of focus. Um, so I think it has to, a lot to do with raising of consciousness. So I think that's how we're, we're starting to see a shift on a global level and the narrative shifting and more people are open to it. Um, but yeah, I, th- I always say to people, like like yourself, like all you have to do is look up into, you know, go outside, make an intention, sit in your heart space because they interact with, well, the, you know, the, the positive ETs. They 
interact with consciousness and heart-centered space um and you know just from that doing that exercise alone of meditating sitting in your heart space and then looking up at the sky i guarantee anyone that does that that's open to it will start to see things yeah what about you anna do you look at the sky much you i look at the sky all the time um (laughs) it, it, it gives me such a feeling of peace actually um sometimes you know life can feel quite heavy and exhausting but looking up makes you just feel like you know there's it's so much bigger and there's so much more out there than what we're currently experiencing and like Alicia said you know um having that conscious awareness and it's it's so expansive and we forget that you know yeah that's right we're quite insular and I think it's very easy for us to have that conversation like it's all about us it's all about you know everything revolving around us but just that that uh, that phrase that you said just before, like there has to be more out there. That's often for a lot of people who aren't perhaps on this journey or path yet. That's that very first question of like possibility. Like mm. let's just open the door a tiny little bit to to possibility. Yeah. And I think that's that's a good thing that if people start to just maybe open their minds a little bit. But uh... look where where I'm at, <laughs> you can see the stars, but it's. There's a lot of street lights, so I don't really get to see the full expression of what the sky looks like. Where Alicia is, I mean, Alicia, you've got a beautiful spot out there. So it's a bit of a hot spot out here, I have to say. You are like, in a hot spot zone, yeah. And it's it's so incredible because I always say once you've seen your first ship, um, you'll see them all the time. And I know, like for me, I connected with uh, a group down in Victoria that the, the time we're running sky watches and so it would be people connecting in like conscious community um, at night time you know take out their their, their um, camping chairs and whatnot and um, and looking up at the sky um, and it was after I started going to those kind of um, meetups that I started having a lot of my own experiences and when when you look back you can see how you slowly introduced I mean I was always having those experiences as a child and then I was reintroduced you know about six months to a year before you know all that stuff was happening it started to happen for me um so you know if you're stumbling across this now and you're listening to this um you know that may be a really important reason for you to pay more attention to your dreams or to um pay more attention to looking up into a a clear night sky yeah I think uh, it's uh I think if the message wants to come it's pretty relentless so my dad um used to work for Qantas and he had a lot of friends who were pilots um, and some of them were in the special armed forces some in the states some in Australia and you know over and over and over again both those gentlemen apparently were writing books about their experiences of seeing ufos i guess if you're up there in the sky right flying all the time and my dad would talk about it a little bit but it just became like those friends would just keep sort of repeating and repeating it and then you know sort of showing their dad information and photos and things and i think even for someone who i always thought my dad was pretty skeptical you know, I think there comes a point in time where it's like when you're ready, like we've all said, when you're at a point to be open to that possibility, there was no way dad could deny that that information was accurate anymore. And then he started to open up and then tell me about his experiences. It was only until he felt comfortable with enough sort of scientific proof that he thought he could talk about it. And then he really mm-hmm. sort of opened the floodgates for other things. But 
I also kind of wanted, I know we've really spent a lot of time talking on Galactic and maybe we can just spend the last um, little bit talking about other things because a lot of children experience um, what Alicia mentioned before, like about, you know, going out the window and getting a lot of vital information and something that came up is a lot of um, parents sort of who are sort of a little bit more awake want to make sure they're listening to their children who are having these experiences a lot earlier than we are. So, I mean, Anna, you've got kids. I don't know whether they have those experiences. So I just wanted to let's just bounce some of those. I'm sure Alicia's probably itching to get (laughs) to, to comment on that topic. But, you know, I think it's really important that no matter what age that we're listening, but I think especially children, Um, We really need to tune in with that. So over to you guys. Um, Yes. So funny that as you were talking about it and sort of I thought, oh, that's one thing. I talk to my kids about everything, you know, but funny thing is I've not spoken about contacts with galactic beings at all. Um, So even if Lily especially would be the one that I feel probably would have had any contact if she's had any, but um, now you've just prompted me to have that conversation. And this is how it happens, people, real time. Real time. <laughs> but, yeah, but what about other things? Like have they, like what about um, other phenomena like angels or colours or auras? Like have you, have you spoken to them about that or have they expressed that to you? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So Lily um, recently has just started um, learning to talk to her higher self in meditation Um which I just absolutely love because, I mean, at the age of 15, I wish someone had told yeah. me that. Say, yeah. say. Um, Hello. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been such a naughty little girl at 15. But anyway, <laughs> she's very much in tune. Um, she'll message me something has happened. She'll message me and she'll just say, did this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, how did you know? And she's like, I just got the feeling. So she's quite in tune with that. And, I mean, in the last three months she's been pretty on point um she's also learning to um she'll just randomly say oh your color is orange today and I'm like how do you know and she goes I can I can feel oh wow and I'm like yeah which is funny because 2016 2017 and 18 that's when I was I couldn't really see it but it was like you can feel colors you know what they feel like um but I haven't had that in a while. But, yeah, she's she's definitely feeling colours and she'll just randomly guess, like, you know, her brother will be, like, green or something. And I said, what makes you say that? So it's interesting that she's tapping into it. And I haven't exactly had, you know, a very lengthy conversation with her about that. She's just been drawn to it naturally. Yeah, isn't it fascinating that we're going to talk about, like, I guess, you know, the sort of teenage years and then Alicia probably will talk about sort of a younger age bracket coming in. But... I just think it's so important that no matter what the experience is that, you know, people are holding that space because like we just all said like, wow, you know, gosh, I wasn't until my late twenties where I started to kind of clue into all this stuff. So I think it's really important that we, we encourage, and it's, it's great that you do that, Anna, as a mum, like to really hold that space and encourage them because expressing is so important. So yeah. All right, Alicia, you're ready to rip, aren't you? No, not necessarily. Like I, I just think the importance of keeping the remembrance alive in children because I think when children come through 
they remember who they are. They remember their gifts and talents. They remember their past lives, their different planets where they come from. They, they have all that knowledge or at least part there of it. It's only when they start to come into society or into families that disregard it that they start to lose it. Every person has the ability to tap into that. And I think that what I would like to see moving forward more and more, and, and it is, I mean, it's changed since I was growing up, but... <clears throat> You know, I'd like to see a society that's much more supportive um, to encourage children to keep that connection strong and healthy yeah. in how whatever form that looks like. Um, I think I was quite lucky because I was brought into a family and a household that um, acknowledged it and encouraged it. Um, it wasn't unusual for me to talk about seeing ghosts in the hallway or, you know, having... Um, different experiences um, and I think that that really helped in, in later in my life to, to to be able to help me in what I was about to go through um, I couldn't even imagine being brought up in a in a household or a family where um, that wasn't sort of spoken about um, it just would have been too far of a jump I imagine but I think I chose my parents well uh, in that regard. But um, I think compared to um, my generation, I think that the kids that are coming through now are just off the chart with them. We should be really listening to them and what they yeah. have to say. Yeah. Did you have something else to add before, uh, Anna? Yeah, I completely agree with Alicia. I mean, my nieces and nephews, I've got um, 13 nieces and nephews. And, you know, when their parents aren't looking, <laughs> I usually, if they're at my house, I usually, they want to play with my crystals and oh, I'll yeah. talk to them about it and see which mm -hmm. one they're going to pick. Um, yeah. I, I did a couple of months ago, I was talking to my nephew about colours and I said, what's your favourite colour? And he wasn't really listening and he just pointed and he goes, I like I like that purple tram or something like that. So he was he was seeing a purple tram, but it wasn't purple. Um, so I, I love playing with the children and asking them questions and seeing what they see because we don't yeah, see it. Yeah, because we're so blocked and, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, but oh, even their eyes, their eyes just say so much more. It's like, oh, you want, you want to tell me something else. So, yeah, family <laughs> gatherings, I usually steal my nieces and nephews and do those things with them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, I, I've got some nieces and nephews too and, like, like you, Anna, like when they'll come, I'll, I'll say to them, you know, let's play with some crystals, let's play with some singing bowls. And and yeah. it's so beautiful because they come to me and they're like, can you teach me meditation? I'm like, yes, of course. <laughs> let's let's go and do that. <laughs> um, and, like, in that, like, I will teach them things and tell them you can do anything. Yeah. Um, and then I think I cringe. I'm like, oh, my God, I must be the most hated <laughs> sister when they go home and, you know, I hear back stories about, well, you know, can – can I go to such and such house to play? And so that I know you can't. Well, Auntie Alicia told me I can do anything I want. Yeah. Oh, out of context, out of context. I remember once um, looking after some sort of family, friends, kids, and a similar thing happened, like super connected to earth, elemental, fairies, etc. And I was like, yes, let's get in that garden. Let's play with them. She was like, I'm going to show you where they are. We're going to play with them. Okay, sure, it might be imagination, but even if it's just imagination, I think that's something to be encouraged and explored. And I was, mm -hmm. she, she was all about 
you know, orders of seraphim and all sorts of things that I was not, she was telling me things I didn't know about. And I, and I think they are, you know, so I just, I kind of just want to finish up maybe talking about non-galactic contact. So have either of you had any angelic experience? Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess um, I'll just quickly share a quick story when, when my dad was, um, passing away he he had a heart attack and um obviously that was just not so long ago and so um, I am where I am in my journey and I had the wherewithal to just be like okay Archangel Raphael you know is can you help because he's like you know he is on the healing ray that's what he's kind of known for and I just got like a no it's his time so I didn't see anything but I got this instant information come into my head Mm. so contact doesn't always Mm. just have to be I mean I think it's really hard to categorize it but you know I often feel like with galactic contact it's more like helping educating teaching learning and I feel like angelic is supportive and helpful and and nurturing so Mm. it's probably a very Mm. big generalization on my part so just so that we just haven't kept it all galactic have either of you had any sort of experiences with other realms that you might want to quickly touch on for others before we wrap Mm -hmm. up Mm-hmm. Um, as, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, the galactic component was there early on and then sort of came in later because I had a lot of interaction with like spirit guides, part like deceased family members. That's always been a big one. Um, but one, one experience comes to mind, I think it was in late around 2007 um i just remember i I was embarking on like a big um change in in my life and i was as we get so caught up in my head space you know am i doing the right thing am i not you know and i just completely got myself all all worked up and um i was laying in bed and that and that feeling came over me like a child and I could hear that that sound which I know is going out of body and this lady appeared to me she was very angelic um she was white like all sort of dressed in white very angelic um and she presented to me and said that her name was you know she's referred to as the lady um and she took me out of my body and showed me my um my soul blueprint that I had written for this lifetime and put my mind at ease and said you are completely on track there's nothing to worry about um and it was the most uh, it was the most peaceful feeling I can remember today you know um and I think in those times of great distress, and I think it's really important that we're talking about this now, because I think in times of great chaos and distress, that is the time where they make their presence felt and known Absolutely. to help yeah. show mm-hmm. that we are, there's so much more going on than what is just happening in the physical body and that we are looked after and protected. And, um, you know, there's so much more looking over us than just ourselves and that we're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Anna Bobana? Um, I smell things a lot. Um, just you know, out of the blue, I smell. Um, I want to say it's perfume smell, but it's not because it it smells like it's not from around here. Um, <laughs> but it's a very beautiful scent, and there's something comforting about it. But for me, one experience that really stands out, and I'll never forget. I still get goosebumps when I think about it. Um, uh, two thousand and. 14 I think it was going through a really really tough time and I remember like you know trying to do trying to do the food shopping and parent and all I wanted to do was give up so I was driving um 
from grocery shopping and crying, just sobbing so hard. And next thing I knew, someone had stroked my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was the only one in the car. There was no windows down and it wasn't like a wind blew my hair. It was a most definite mm-hmm. caress of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even though my heart was still broken, it, it did give me that strength. It's like, shit, I'm not on my yeah. own. Yeah. Um, it was very, very comforting. So that's one experience that I will tell my grandchildren. Yeah, that, that reminds <laughs> me too. Like I, I mean, as we all know, this journey can be can be pretty challenging. Um, and obviously with mm-hmm. everything going on, there's been many times where in a big purge I'll, you know, I guess fling myself to the ground crying just like just in – just in despair like this is too hard I just want to give up I don't understand what's going Mm -hmm. on and I I was laying on the grass where I often go to ground myself and I felt some it was the strangest thing it was like my mum used to always tell me to pull my shoulders back but I just felt this huge not aggressive but just this pressure like they lifted me up and I I didn't even know how I got to a seated position and it was like they were pulling my shoulders back and then I felt like I was being embraced like a massive massive hug it doesn't happen to me very often but you know I think we all have gifts and abilities which we talk about and so I often will feel sort of like the tingles and then I know someone is around me um yeah and you know and I guess I'll just say to people just try and chat find out a bit more get curious about it and if that's something that you feel comfortable with and I guess the more comfortable you get perhaps the more you'll see or experience yeah when you're ready to it yeah absolutely I think the more you're open to it the more it can sort of come into your experience and your awareness um so you know things things that people can do to open themselves up more to that connection because I think that once you start to have a connection you know, once that connection is established, it will continue to happen more and more. Um, you know, things that people can do is things very simple like meditation or go out and stare at the sky. I mean, you can connect in and, and have, um, you know, different sessions with different practitioners. I know BQH is really good to help people open to that more galactic awareness um, or having a light language session, um, you know, various different modalities that will help open you up to those connections too. Um, Get activated. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, but even just sort of uh, watching content around it and, you know, being, you know, able to you know open and expand your mind a little bit yeah. just to to allow um you know I always say that when you're dabbling into a different realm that's sort of unknown territory I always go and look and try and find positive ex- uh, uh, experiences of people's stories um and and I find that that can be really comforting and reassuring and a really good you know place to start yeah, maybe in the last few minutes, maybe we should leave on that point. Like what are some things maybe from all of us that we can think of, like books, movies, docos, like what are some things that you think might help people who just want to kind of explore this topic a little bit if they're they're curious about it? Is there anything that comes to mind? Like mm. a- like Ancient Aliens on Netflix. 
<laughs> oh god love that show See, <laughs> I mean the go. narrative's a little bit skew but yep. you know <laughs> um, overall it's a great show a um, lot of great information there and I think Ancient Aliens is is a good place to start um, mm. because going back to one of the questions you were talking about earlier about you know should we, we be wary of this contact and what do they want well if you look back to the origins of the human race we were seeded from you know, um, other star systems, and that is our origins. Every single person, you know, the human DNA um, stems back, if you want to go back that far. So, you know, looking into the history of, you know, not the history that we've been told in school, but the true history of the human race, um, you know, we were seeded by the Palladians and, you know, the Arcturians and Syrians, you know, we are a hybrid of those um, galactic races that created humans from, from my perspective and if you if you you know dig around into that I think that's a really good place to start but other things that come to mind is like um, galactic meditations of connecting to them whether it's through a light language transmission or a guided um, meditation there's so many great resources on the internet that um, are really helpful yeah I will say I mean obviously I'm going to be biased because I speak light language but I think that's something I've noticed with people with light language. It definitely will, if you are and you're ready, it, it will activate you. And I suppose, Anna, you can mm. probably talk to that, what I did to you. Oh, <laughs> completely. I can vouch for that. Um, yeah, you can read and, um, you know, reading sometimes you like you resonate with us. Like, oh, that one feels good or that one feels familiar. But um, doing the BQH session and the light language, that was just for me probably the most profound way of expanding Mm. Um, and, you know, talking to like-minded people about it as well. There's just so much to learn. Like, I mean, there's so much information out there and where do you even start? But definitely light language and BQH would be a good place to start. That's in my experience that was the most helpful. I mean, obviously, Alicia, with all your talents, like I think no matter where you are on your journey, like having someone like Alicia with her, her wealth of knowledge and experience, just to be like, oh, hey, this happened to me. What do you think? Like Anna and I drive Alicia mental. We'll come clean. We ask. There's only one of Alicia. And we ask her a lot of questions. <laughs> and, you know, I think we're really grateful that we can all have these conversations together yeah. and access your your great, I don't know, what it is. I don't know, have the word. Yeah, and, and access knowledge. to that. Yeah. And so I think, you know, Alicia, yeah. if anyone's curious, she has a fascinating story. I'm not going to divulge it, but it's <laughs> – there's a lot of stuff there. And I think – you know, if, if if it resonates, it resonates. And I think that's how, I mean, I just laugh because four years ago I would have told everybody to go get stuffed if someone started talking to me about this. I'd be like, what? I don't want to know about that. Like, prove it. Science. I want scientific proof. <laughs> um, well, that's the same as me, Jen, when I met Alicia and she pretty much shared her story with me the first time. Uh, and the thing is, you meet Alicia and you just know she's telling the truth. It's like you're like overwhelmed with the information at the There's same time. There's a lot time, to process, but yeah. The truth sinks in. It's like what? But, I guess you know. maybe that's maybe that's the note we should leave on. Like I suppose it's your truth ultimately <laughs> and so no one can really yeah. walk your path mm-hmm. for you. And, or, and like I go back to my mantra, until it happens to you, it's, you yeah. know, I don't think we should judge anyone. I mean, yeah, I was terrible all those years ago. I just was so close-minded, but I guess that was part of my journey. Now I'm cracked pretty wide open that anything and everything is possible. <laughs> probably to my yeah, um, and I think it happens it happens to the best of us. And I think all of our 
our journeys are relative, you know, what, what you guys have experienced from, you know, wanting everything proved to hard science to where you guys are now um, is, is in contrast to, you know, me being open all my life and having these experiences and then what I had to go through, you know, it's, it's all pretty relative in, in the individual's experience. Um, and I think that, there's so many people that are being cracked wide open. I think this is why we need to talk about these things so that people can feel supported going through rapid connections, mm. <laughs> um, contact, um, whatever it is that they're facing through these changing times. Yeah, definitely. And my final, yeah, my final note would just be stay open, stay open-minded, mm-hmm be curious, ask the questions. Like I, I, I yeah. ask Alicia a lot of questions, not just Alicia, but I'm just using her because I do drive her bonkers with questions because the more inquisitive you are, you know, I think that that really helps. And I think that's really good, like to, to stay open-minded and ask questions rather than to be sceptical and, you know, closed off about it. I think that's how we can Yeah, and then we come to our own conclusions mm. and if you're not ready to hear it, you might revisit it later which has happened to me quite a bit. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's like you can take in these concepts or these stories or experiences or whatever, but until you actually go through it yourself, it's a whole different ball game. And I see that a lot with the twin flame communities. (laughs) People will research about it and go, Oh, you know, and then they experience it and they're like, oh, my God, I didn't believe in that, but it's real. Yeah. <laughs> Same with, with you know, um, ET contact. That's right. So, and I, yeah. I always think to myself, do you trust yourself, Jen? I'm like, yeah, I trust my eyes. My mind's not playing tricks on me. I have a sound mind. So I took me a long time to question my sanity and whether I was having a legitimate experience or I was just like, wow, you've always been a very creative, imaginative person. Have we just gone a little mm-hmm. bit too far? but (laughs) and I think that's part of that was part of my journey to be like you can be both it doesn't have to be one or the other what about you Anna any final thoughts uh trust your gut instinct um you know I know for me I um I felt ashamed to mention things I didn't want to share how kept it to myself but I don't know just play with it trust your gut instincts and just be open to anything and everything yeah Cool. Well, ladies, thank you so, so very much for sharing and being so open and transparent with everyone. And I hope whoever's listening, you know, you take something out of this. And uh, I'm sure we could keep on going about this topic. Maybe we'll have to do a, maybe we'll have to do a part two. Part two. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a part two. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave you guys here. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And hopefully, yeah, thank thanks, you, ladies. Thanks, Jen. We'll, thanks for hosting. No worries. We'll see you next episode. <laughs> All right. Bye.